Even with the rise of the Omicron COVID variant, Taiwan will move forward with its plan to ease quarantine restrictions for holiday arrivals. From December 14 to February 14, it will shorten the mandatory hotel quarantine period from 14 days to seven. At a Wednesday press conference, the health chief was asked if a confirmed Omicron case could jeopardize the holiday protocol. He responded in the negative, saying that hasty changes to border controls would do more harm than good. He emphasized the arrivals will also need to spend seven days in home quarantine, which will be enforced with electronic fencing. Taiwan reported eight imported cases on Wednesday, six of them breakthrough infections. It's not yet known whether any involve the Omicron COVID variant. But with Omicron confirmed in Japan and Hong Kong, the CECC moved to assure the public that strict border controls were being enforced. We currently require a negative test from the last three days. When they enter, they must undergo a PCR test, so there are two checkpoints in place. Taiwan is set to shorten its mandatory hotel quarantine from 14 days to 7, starting December 14th. Shen Zhennan, a physician at the Taotun Psychiatric Center, is calling for a suspension of the policy due to the Omicron threat. It's seven days of hotel quarantine and seven days of home quarantine, so altogether it's still 14 days of quarantine. We are not saying that they can go outside after seven days. After the seven days of hotel quarantine, there will be electronic fencing technology to enforce home quarantine. Not only that, all of the nation's people will be monitoring them. A doctor at Wanfeng Hospital warns that the virus can sometimes be most concentrated in the upper respiratory tract, while sometimes it's in the lower respiratory tract. He said that when testing is done at a single location, it can miss its target. On Wednesday, a reporter asked if Taiwan should do COVID screening using both nose and throat samples. Taking two samples is currently not something we are considering. First off, the tests we use are quite accurate. We test for at least two gene locations. Secondly, there are multiple tests during the quarantine period. I believe that these measures meet our screening needs. Taiwan's one-dose vaccination rate stands at 77.93%. Two-dose coverage is at 56.8%. The CECC reiterated that the goal is to hit at least 60% full vaccination. Former Japanese Prime Minister Abe Shinzo says that Japan and the U.S. will not stand by if China attacks Taiwan. He made the remarks while attending a Taipei Forum over video conference on Wednesday. Abe said that a Taiwan emergency would be a Japan emergency, which would therefore be an emergency for the Japan-U.S. military alliance. Former Japan Prime Minister Abe Shinzo attended a forum hosted by Taiwan's Institute for National Policy Research. Over teleconference, he addressed the tense situation in the Taiwan Strait. An armed invasion of Taiwan would be a major danger to the territory of Japan. Japan would not be able to tolerate this situation. In remarks apparently aimed at China, he said that Japan and the U.S. would not sit idly by in the event of an attack on Taiwan. A Taiwan emergency is a Japanese emergency and therefore an emergency for the Japan-U.S. alliance. This is something that Beijing's leadership and President Xi Jinping in particular ought not misjudge. Taking an act of military adventurism will be equal to walking down the path of economic suicide. 
Abe also expressed support for Taiwan's bid to join the CPTPP trade bloc. He said that as prime minister, he had seen the need for Japan to connect to a free and open democratic framework. Based on the same idea, I personally support Taiwan's entry to the TPP. With regard to maintaining the rules of the international order and strengthening its related functions, I personally believe that the TPP has quite an important role to play. Taiwan is fully qualified to join the TPP. Addressing Taiwan's lack of international recognition, Abe said he would do what he could to help Taiwan. First of all, with regard to participation in international organizations such as the WHO and to enhancing Taiwan's international status, these goals must be achieved step by step. We must work together to assist Taiwan. During the forum, the high-profile guests took questions from Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenzhan and Shenzhou Mayor Lin Zhijian. Their interactions were closely watched for clues about Japan's next steps on Taiwan. The Pentagon has released the results of its month-long review of the U.S. military's overseas presence. The report calls for expanding American military bases in Guam and Australia to deter the rising Chinese threat. It also recommends additional cooperation with allies and partners in the Indo-Pacific region. A Pentagon official said it's no surprise that the Indo-Pacific is a top priority in the report, given the rise of China as the U.S.'s leading national security issue. With China pressing ahead with its military agenda, Washington is on high alert. The Pentagon announced Monday that it's completed its 2021 Global Posture Review. Its recommendations have been approved by U.S. President Joe Biden. According to the Pentagon's Interim Deputy Undersecretary for Policy, the report calls for strengthening military bases in Guam and Australia, confirming that the Indo-Pacific is a priority region for the U.S. amid a rising China. Taiwan's defense minister said that many nations were closely watching the Indo-Pacific. The Indo-Pacific region is becoming more and more important. How each country is reacting, how China is reacting, and how other countries are reacting, we have quite a clear sense of it all. Since we are in the middle of it, we have to concern ourselves more with it. In related news, the Pentagon has announced a 94 million U.S. dollar contract to Lockheed Martin. The contract is for upgrading Patriot 3 missiles in several countries, including Taiwan. When asked about the contract, Taiwan's defense minister said he had yet to be notified. A lawmaker asked why Taiwan needed to procure the U.S.-made Patriot 3 when it manufactures a similar missile domestically. Of course, there are people who say, since our own Tiangong 3 missiles are quite good, why do we need to buy so many Patriot 3s? The Patriot 3's greatest advantage is its countermeasures against ballistic missiles. So how is the effectiveness of the Tiangong 3 against ballistic missiles? It has some anti-ballistic functions, and they are still being strengthened and developed. Last month, six Republican lawmakers made a visit to Taiwan. According to a source, the group was on an inspection for the purposes of a new bill called the Taiwan Deterrence Act. The bill authorizes Washington to provide military financing to Taiwan for the purchase of U.S. arms. On Wednesday, Taiwan's defense minister was asked to weigh in on the bill. If this deterrence bill is passed, will Taiwan's defense ministry accept this military financing from the U.S.? 
Basically, there is a principle here, the principle of it's our own country, so we need to be the ones to save it. I wouldn't say that if the U.S. passes this bill and if they initiate exchanges, then we would simply follow directions. We are the Republic of China. We are not the United States. So if their program is advantageous to us, then of course we can discuss it to determine the degree to which we can accept it. If it's unacceptable, then we won't choke it down by force. The defense minister stressed that Taiwan was responsible for its own self-defense. If the U.S. approves funding for Taiwan, he said, it would not necessarily be accepted. The annual Taipei Shanghai Twin City Forum was held on Wednesday via video conference. In his opening remarks, Shanghai Mayor Gong Zheng emphasized that the two sides of the strait are one family. Notably, his Taipei counterpart, Ke Wenzhe, made no mention of the word family as he had at previous forums. Instead, Ke called for mutual respect and dialogue instead of confrontation. We on both sides of the Taiwan Strait are compatriots, and we are all Chinese. We will uphold the principle that people on both sides of the Strait are one family. Together we will realize the great Chinese dream of the rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. In Taiwan, there are people who want to latch on to this five-word phrase and sully it. It's better to just not say it. I'll say it in a different way. These are the statements of the two sides. Each side has its issues it insists on. Each side has to make allowances to understand the other. Otherwise, what would you have me do? Go over there and change his speech? After their opening remarks and speeches by other officials, the two sides signed three memorandums of understanding, pledging deeper cooperation on animal conservation, music, and technology incubation. The pilot school at Taidong Airport just got an eye-catching new vessel. A special nine-seater from Italy is the latest plane to join the fleet. It will soon be put to good use, offering aerial tours of the local area, providing a new perspective on the eastern county. It's also going to help improve emergency medical services for the region. Let's take a look. An eye-catching plane with blue and yellow stripes sits on the tarmac at Taidong Airport, waiting to be taken for a spin. A vista of lush fields stretches as far as the eye can see. This passenger plane from Italy can take nine passengers on a scenic trip in the air. Could this be the next big thing for tourism in Taidong? We hope this plane will be used for aerial tours and aerial photography in the future. We've already sketched out three routes for aerial tours, and we hope to offer the first flight in January 2022. With its generous wide seats and expansive windows, this comfortable little vessel flies at up to 360 kilometers an hour, only at low altitudes. The route's plan take 30 to 40 minutes. Choose between a trip down the valley, a tour of the coast, and an excursion to an outlying island. You can get to know Taidong by driving a car on the ground, but you can also see a different side of Taidong from the sky, including the length of the valley, the Taidong coast, and our outlying islands. I believe that many companies and even families will hire the plane privately to experience it. The main role this plane will play is to offer a new choice for emergency medical care in the Taidong region and across the east coast. The plane is not just a tourist attraction. Pilots and officials are also planning to use it as an air ambulance to improve the emergency medical services for the Taidong area and nearby outlying islands. 
President Tsai Ing-wen has signed an anti-stalking bill into law. The legislation punishes eight types of behavior, including watching and trailing, relentless romantic pursuit, and online harassment. Offenders can be punished by up to five years in prison. Tsai said the new law, which comes into effect in six months, will allow authorities to intervene early to prevent gender-based abuse and violence. On December 1st, President Tsai Ing-wen signed Taiwan's first anti-stalking law. There to bear witness were Premier Su Jin-chang, Minister of the Interior Xu Guoyong, and several lawmakers. We are here together to witness the signing of this law, which within six months of announcement will officially take effect. With this law, in future cases of stalking and harassment, public authorities can more quickly get involved and more quickly enact preventative measures. The establishment of anti-stalking legislation is also an important first step toward preventing and dealing with gender violence. In April, a female employee of a mobile phone retailer in Pingdong was kidnapped and murdered by someone who faked a car accident. The incident invoked renewed calls among lawmakers for an anti-stalking law, and in May, the legislature's Internal Administration Committee passed a draft bill. The bill went through successive cross-caucus meetings without a consensus, but finally passed a third reading on November 19th. Earlier this week, attention on the law was renewed when DPP legislator Gao Jiayu confirmed that she had been the victim of domestic abuse. Her case echoed the story of DPP member Peng Wanru, who was raped and murdered in 1996. Yesterday marked 25 years since Peng Wanru's case. Peng was a respected women's rights activist, and her case encouraged a greater focus on the safeguarding of women's safety. Following that case, laws were established in succession, but we have believed all along that there is always more that can be done and that things can be done better. Tsai vowed to take up the torch on women's rights. Taiwan has been at the forefront of gender equality. With the new law, it will strengthen protections against stalking by punishing eight types of harassment with up to five years in prison. Officials say that the law will be a key part of Taiwan's campaign to end gender violence. Taiwan has lowered a raft of exercise and costume taxes on staple commodities to counter inflation. On Wednesday, motorists at the gas pump found prices reduced by 1.1 NT. Taxes were also lowered for wheat, beef and cement. But one scholar says it won't be enough to cushion the blow of inflation. Let's listen to what he has to say. The impact of this reduction will be limited. The effect is only on the commodities for which taxes are being lowered. The prices of other things won't be affected. Prices of imports are all on the rise, so costs are going to go up. Tax reductions will not be able to completely offset that. The tax cut will be in effect until March 3rd, 2022. There used to be a 6.5% customs duty on grains, and now it's duty-free. And tax on beef was reduced by 5 NT per kilogram. The excise tax on cement was lowered by 160 NT per metric ton. Let's now turn to a story of a Taiwanese teen who's become a best-selling author. Hermione Lee is a 17-year-old who has published a novel in English. The book, titled In the Name of the Other World, is a bestseller at Taiwan's largest online bookstore. For Musa News, reporter Stephanie Yang sat down with Hermione to learn more about her journey as an author. Back then, before that miraculous adventure took place, I had not even the slightest inkling that everything about me 
from our whimsical dreams to my relationships with others was never a coincidence. She reads from the first chapter of her book. This is 17-year-old Hermione Lee. She recently published a young adult novel that became a bestseller at Taiwan's largest online bookstore. This is the first book of the series called Name of the Other World. Her book, In the Name of the Other Worlds, is a story about an orphan teenager who is transported into a magical world with her classmates through their school's fountain. I published In the Name of the Other World two months ago, and there will be a second book and a third book in the series. This very important message to encourage teenagers to be themselves, which I think we should all we could all learn from the main characters. And then um, feminism and gender equality, and of course forgiveness also plays an important part in my story to reconcile with our past selves. There's also a lot of symbolism between the easily overlooked details in the plot. But I'll do some posts on that on my Facebook. Hermione said that the writing process was difficult. She completed the first draft of her novel at the age of 14. Although she hit some stumbling blocks while writing her book, she never gave up. When I was 13, the idea of In the Name of the Other World came to my mind. I decided to get it on paper, which is what I did. But I was 14 when I finished the first draft, and when I sent it to my aunt, she criticized it because I obviously had no idea how awful it was, but now I do. I have my writer friends who think, for my improving my style in the end. There's the procrastination block. The time when I just don't really believe in myself. I look at my outline and go like, this is too hard, I can't do this. So sometimes I just tell myself, today or tomorrow when I wake up, the first thing I'm gonna do is to go straight to my iPad and start writing it so I can overcome the procrastination obstacle. Lee grew up in Taiwan and attended a local Taiwanese school. She credits her fluency in English to reading English books often, listening to audiobooks, and listening to stories by her parents at a young age. My mom and dad read books to me when I was really young, and they played audiobooks when I was about to go to bed. So I started to, I started to get enchanted by the books. So I began to read for myself, and now I never stop reading or writing or both. Asked for advice for young writers, she says that the most important thing is to not slip into self-doubt. The most important thing is to not never self-reject because you never know how much potential human pe human beings have. If you keep doubting yourself, you never get anywhere. I know a very good quote and I would like to share it with everyone. It's called, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. If you keep doubting yourself or demeaning your own value, you'll never get anywhere in life. She is brimming with ambition and hope for the future. She wants to do a TED Talk to share her journey of being a writer. Later on, she wants to hit the bestseller list of the New York Times. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Song Shuhui in Taipei. Let's turn now to the world of enterprise. How do you branch out from the family business to make your own name? That's a question food industry business Princess Zhou Shuru met head-on. She struck out from the family brand to create her own line of baby solids. And a few years later, she's earned the name Baby Porridge Queen with her own niche in the changing market of children's food. Zhou Shuru has a naturally soothing presence with children. Known as the Baby Porridge Queen, her brand of baby porridge products leads the market, making profits of 100 million NT a year. 
It spread through word of mouth, and I also ran it in mom's groups online, so lots of people got to know it. I graduated from the School of Medical Laboratory Science at Taipei Medical University. I think that's given me quite a lot of professional resources on the journey of creating this brand. Now 32, Zhou is the daughter of a well-known Taichung food industry mogul. The 35-year-old family company is famous for ready-made instant noodles. That ready-made label is one Zhou wanted to move away from. She began her own mother and baby brand in 2015 before becoming a mother herself, achieving a gross margin of 30%, more than twice the margin of the instant meals. But it was still an uphill battle to get support from her family. They thought the mother and baby market was not a dynamic market. What we have observed is that although the birth rate is falling, that means every child is becoming the little treasure in their family. All the relatives place all their attention on this one child. They want to bring them up as well as possible. That's the trend. Joe's baby porridge is ready to eat without heating and easy to store, giving it reach across global markets as well as in Taiwan. The imported solids for babies in the West tend to be purees, such as pureed fruit. But products like baby porridge are less common, and they certainly have proven popular. But Joe now has her sights set on new goals. From products aimed at mothers and babies, she now wants to expand into the market for kids' food, starting with products aimed at grade schoolers.